0: This is Geek Gab with your host, Brian, John, and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. That's right, Geek Gab for Sunday, May 8th, 2016. This is episode 52. We have done 52 of these things. Can you believe that, John?
1: Holy cow! Every time you announce the episode number, it, ever since we got to fifty, it's blown my mind. And it's twenty sixteen. This is this is something else.
2: Uh, if to- you if you listen to one episode of Geek Gab per week, if you downloaded them all, it would take you a full year. It would take you from the time the Earth left this position and orbited around the sun and returned to it again to exhaust all of Geek Gab. I'm I'm speechless. And you would be an immeasurably better
0: person for the endeavor, I will have to say.
1: You should get some scientific studies done to, to you know, to verify that listening to geek gab improves you as a person.
2: I know a uh, Ukrainian uh, master's candidate who will do uh, any research you want for a pack of cigarettes. So, sorry, See, a carton. Carton. The problem
0: is, is that's a difficult proposition to test because our audience is so incredible, so amazing already, that it, it's, it's difficult to measure uh, an increase in how awesome they already are over how awesome they
2: already are. I, th- I thought they came up with the uh, the Fonzie scale as a unit <laughs> of awesomeness. And I think we would easily rate over 9,000 mega Fonzies.
0: Is that, uh, is that a... Like the decibel scale, I, I suspect that's actually an exponential scale. That as the as you go up higher and higher in the uh, in the awesomeness factor, you have to have a bigger increase to move up the same number.
2: Hmm.
0: Kind of like warp factors. So now I, I've got a question. We have a movie that is today the subject of our show. And I know that I personally have actually seen said movie, which shall remain nameless for but a moment, and I want to know if my, if my uh, highly educated and highly intelligent co-hosts have also actually seen the movie. Yes.
1: We've done it. It took 52 episodes, but we've finally all seen the same movie that we're talking about on
0: the show. In time to actually talk about it on the show. And
1: in time, uh, right after opening weekend or, or during opening weekend.
0: Yeah, because it just opened on Friday.
1: We are you all I, relevant. Yeah, the, the gap has never been more topical, guys. <laughs> We've done it.
0: So, Captain America Civil War, or as I called it in the run up to the show, the battle of the B-list Avengers now, I got some flat for that on Twitter somebody was upset that I called it the battle of the B-list Avengers because I believe they felt I was mocking the movie that I was suggesting that it wasn't a very good movie I was not suggesting that I was however making fun of it just because making fun of things is what I do because it's fun and it's funny so The Bat of the B-List Avengers does not mean I hated the movie. It does not mean that I think that the movie itself should be the subject of scorn and derision. However, however, I would like to defend the title of the show. Because in my mind, there are three A-List Avengers. That is the people who actually get their own solo movies. Captain America, Iron Man, four. Those are the A listers. Everybody else is B list. What about Hulk? So, no, Hulk doesn't count. Edward Norton got canned, and they uh, they replaced him. So Hulk is no longer an A list Avenger. Okay, I, I agree.
2: He got demoted. Fair
0: enough. Fair enough. Now, Black Widow may be getting her own solo movie. That was just announced on Friday or Saturday. If so, she will move up in the ranks to be an actual A-list Avenger, but as of right now, it is the battle of the B-list Avengers. And because Thor isn't a movie, there's only two A-listers and a bunch of B-listers. Sorry folks, that's just the way it is. So, let me ask this question real quick. Um were you guys bitterly, ruefully disappointed with the quality of the
2: movie? Oh, oh no! Grease away from that sentiment, sir.
1: You you sort of set me up there. How could I? How could I not? I mean, ugh. no, I liked it a lot. I I I, the- I I didn't have um. Let me put it this way: I didn't have Avengers: Age of Ultron expectations, and. Uh, and it, uh, it pleased me just fine. I enjoyed it.
0: This movie instantly jumped into the top five list of Marvel movies. It was. It might have dropped into the top three or two Marvel movies. I'll have to think about it and watch it again. Um, believe it or not, as great... This is, this is how it uh, ended up on my scale. As great as Captain America Winter Soldier was, and it was great, I think Civil War was better. Agreed. Why? Um, It entertained me more. It surprised me because this is the biggest thing I liked about the movie. Captain America Civil War, the comic series from 2006, was, uh, I believe, Brian Michael Bendis' Getting some political things off his chest about the war on terror and uh, the invasion of Iraq and Halliburton and and all these other things. It was uh, an excuse for political rants. And there is precisely one debate scene in the movie that's very short. But after that, it's not about the respective positions of Captain America and Iron Man. It is, in point of fact, about an actual story and plot and characters interacting with each other and making decisions on what they're going to do based on their characteristics and the situations they're in. It's astounding because it's not a political polemic. They neither directly reference nor obliquely reference George Bush and the War on Terror. And the absence of being lectured was great, but also the absence of further debate scenes about the issues at hand in the movie. If they had left off sucker punches about Bush, that would have been okay, only okay if they had continued to debate the issues at hand. Should we be controlled by the U.N.? Should we not be controlled by the U.N.? And then going back and forth about it with occasional you know, fist fights in between. Fortunately that is absolutely not what they did. You get one scene of debate and the movie moves on with not just action but cool action that I haven't seen before. I kept on finding myself again and again and again doing ooh that's neat. That was neat what they did right there in this movie. Um, Just one single example. Bucky is trying to escape from some cops, and in order to escape them, he grabs an iron railing and uses it almost as a, a rappel rope. to He pulls it free and drops down to the next floor, and it just looked cool. They did an awesome job on the action in this movie. The action in this movie is top-notch. Well,
1: that's what I liked about it. Um, I, I liked that it wasn't uh, you know slow, thoughtful drama about all the characters and their feelings and everything. They said, you know what? We know what you're here for. You're here to see Captain America and Iron Man and their teams just go at it. You want to see these awesome, these awesome action sequences. We're gonna set it up, and we're gonna have fun with it. We're not gonna, we're not gonna, we're not gonna say anything meaningful here. We're just gonna have the characters go.
2: Exactly. I, um, getting back to your earlier question, John, I really, really love Winter Soldier. The, the movie. And until now, it was my favorite Marvel movie, in fact. But it is, admittedly, the rest has admitted this, the genre it's in is it's a 70s-style espionage movie, like, you know, All the President's Men or Eight Days of the Condor, or something like that. And it really works. You know, it's that with some, like, classic 80s, 90s action and superhero elements thrown in. But like that, War said, Civil War is a superhero movie. It's just a bare-knuckle superhero brawl, with some thoughtful elements and plenty of character motivation and pathos. So yeah, it does exceed its predecessor.
1: Well, I, I like the point that Daddy War Pig made, that, that I hadn't, um, I, was, I wasn't cognizant of, I mean, of course I noticed it when I watched it, but uh, it was, the, the characters were just more or less, you know, acting true to their characters. You could see um, how they made their decisions, for the most part. Um, the the only um, it, it it is weird to me that they would some of them would so quickly decide that it would be okay to have UN oversight over them. Um, I thought more superheroes had more pride than that, but uh, yeah. but uh, but yeah, you know, but but I did like that. I like that. It, it nothing ever made me stop and go, huh? Yeah, I don't I don't see that happening.
2: Yeah, and that gets back to what Daddy Warpig said, which was, I kind of saw the Civil War comics as often stooping to a thinly-veiled allegory for gun control and definitely coming down on the side of gun-grabbing. This movie takes pains to point out that, no, that's not the allegory. This is, should we let people walk around unsupervised with suitcase nukes? (laughs) That's a totally different question.
0: Yeah, violating the sovereignty of foreign countries at will.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
1: and... and But the the thing is, is that by changing it to that, they're basically going over the same stuff that X Men has been doing for fifty years or whatever, Um, which is uh, even um, uh, my wife who saw the movie with me sort of mentioned the same thing. She's like, yeah, that's I mean, that's what X Men does, right? Uh, They're just uh, but they're too dangerous. They need to be controlled.
2: And Watchmen. I mean, it's just because they're using a recurring trope doesn't mean it's not doesn't mean they didn't bring something original to the table. And second of all, even though they're in different continuities, because Fox has the X-Men license and Marvel and Disney have the Avengers, I like that they finally kind of independently shorn up what I thought was always a big plot hole in Marvel continuity in general, which is the, the mutants are treated as a dangerous menace by some people, but we love the Avengers. Well that's really arbitrary, guys, so it's about time the Avengers got the same treatment that the mutants have had. See, I really despise um, Agents of
0: S.H.I.E.L.D., the TV show. I despise it. And someone asked me on Twitter, they said, why do you despise Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? My answer to that is, because I've watched the show. I have earned the right to despise it, and this last season shows that perfectly because what they have is a long sequence of the Inhumans being hated for actually good reasons. They set that up pretty well, but they have cardboard-thin characters that don't act like real human beings or like they have real motivations. They're not very interesting, and they spend all their time, the last half of the season, being patronizing and lecturing about real world political issues. It's like, yes, yes, I come to a superhero TV show to hear you tell me how bad oil companies are. Compare Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. with Civil War and you can see instantly that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is absolutely mediocre. And the claim that they have a small budget doesn't cut it, because Daredevil has a tiny budget, is a minuscule budget compared to an Avengers movie, and yet the Daredevil show on Netflix is amazing. It is incredible.
1: It all comes down to the writers, in my opinion. I I think um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and I only sat through part of the first season. It was that bad. Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. um, is just... Uh, even if you're a big Joss Whedon fan you, or a Mutant Enemy fan, you sit down and you're like, "Nah, they, th- this isn't the same writers that brought us, you know, my favorite moments on Buffy or, or whatever." And um, and in the same way, actually, I want to bring this back to Civil War, because uh, Civil War, being as you said at the top of the show, like the B-list Avengers or you know, Avengers Two Point Five, I've heard someone call it, right? The 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 big they're the big showpiece. Battle in the in you know the second act, uh, where both teams are fighting each other at an airport. Um, it 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 was chock full of fun action sequences and funny quips and things, and not just from <coughs> Spider-Man, who was an awesome cameo. We we should talk about that, but uh, it had all these funny quips and things that made it feel like a scene from the Avengers. But the. Ma- the material wasn't quite the same. It wasn't quite as funny. It didn't feel like um, that first time when we all saw the Avengers and they were all shooting, you know, Joss Whedon-esque quips back and forth. And it was it was a lot of fun. It was just like, yeah, that was a good scene. That reminds me of all those Avengers fights.
2: Don't um, you think though, if they had had the Whedon style dialogue, it would have been tonally dissonant this movie because the tone of this movie is a lot darker than either of the Avengers films.
1: I agree 100%. I think um, Captain America should probably never be written by Whedon, but they had an Avengers fight scene smack dab. I think it was dire- you know directly in the middle of the movie, of Running Time. Like, right in the middle of the movie is an Avengers fight scene um, surrounded by this cool Captain America movie.
2: Yeah, and Whedon, to be fair, has admitted he doesn't understand... Captain America, and he finds him the most difficult character to write, which comes through, and that's why, honestly, I think the Cap franchise has eclipsed the what was supposed to be the the core franchise of Marvel. It's the Captain America series is now better than Avengers. I, I
0: I think that Whedon had. I don't know if he wrote this line or somebody else wrote this line, but I think the single most perfect line for Captain America in a Whedon movie was in the first Avengers, when he says, uh, there's only w- one God-man, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that.
2: Yeah, and that's what everyone references, and it is a great line, but it took all of Joss Whedon's discipline and writing powers, and he was able to deliver that one great Captain America scene, and it's really been crickets from him ever since. Like you just, Yeah. Doesn't know how to handle the character right. He tries. It, that's okay. He's still a great writer. But the Russo brothers have proven they know how to handle not only Cap but all of the Marvel characters.
0: Well, and and this movie is the one that made me most excited for Infinity War because the Russo brothers are doing Infinity War one and two. Oh, they are. Yeah, they're writing it. They're directing it.
2: Oh, oh just, thank God.
0: <laughs> I've got to mention this because I just I I watch uh, honest trailers which I think is great. I think it's hilarious and funny and uh, on their channel they have they did an honest trailer for Captain America Winter Soldier and then the Russo brothers got in contact with them and wanted to respond to some of the points they made so there's a Russo brothers react to the honest trailer. So the two guys make it, who made the honest trailer, who wrote it, are sitting across the table from the two Russo brothers while the Russo brothers watch their video and reply to it. This is the thing they said, though, that I ex- that explains to me the most of why Captain America Winter Soldier was as great as it was. They said their motto in making that movie was they didn't want any plot point to show up on those damn Honest Trailers videos. <laughs> and it became a motto on the production where they were always saying, saying this can't end up on Honest Trailers. We can't have this end up on Honest Trailers. And every time they ran into a plot point that didn't make sense, every time they needed to figure out the sequence of events, they would sit down in a room and talk it out until it made sense so that nothing in their movie would show up on Honest Trailers. And you know that because when you get to Honest Trailers, they have a couple of of small things, and then they say, but this is Honest Trailers, this is a good movie, and uh, but we're a, a humor series, so we're going to nitpick. And then they proceed to do very, very small nitpicky things. They just couldn't fill up an entire five minutes with things to criticize because the Russo brothers had did such a good job at honest trailer proofing their movie, and that's why King's Out to be such a great movie. They thought through the plot, they thought through character motivations, they thought through pretty much everything they could, other than these couple of nitpicky things, um, to make it as smooth as possible. I think they did the same thing on this movie on Civil War, and I'm hoping they do the same thing on the two uh, Infinity War movies.
1: That's great. I, I imagine they used to actually hire people to work on continuity and, and, and write, you know, that they, they used to have a guy for that, now they have to all do it in a room in a committee because otherwise the internet's going to roast them.
0: Um well, and, and it plays into my theory that the biggest problem with Hollywood is laziness. The biggest problem with Hollywood is they just don't work things out like that anymore. They don't sit down and make sure everything fits together and it all makes sense while they're making the movie. Their motto is, well, shoot it now, we'll fix it in post. Some things you just can't fix in post and some things you just can't fix with reshoots. Reshoots didn't help Fantastic Four or Fan Four Stick or whatever you want to call it. Um, they're not going to help the Ghostbusters movie that's coming out. And if you don't get it right while you're shooting it, if you don't get it right while you're making it, fixing it in post is just not an option.
1: So I want to I want to transition and talk about the other thing, <clears throat> besides the writing, that makes these Captain Americas movies so good. Um, and we've known it ever since. Iron Man 1, which is casting. Oh yeah. The, the, the the people playing these characters are perfect. Uh, Chris Evans is Captain America. Yep. If, if you saw him on the street, you would—you might even forget his name. You don't even—oh, hey, it's Cap.
0: And and uh, the casting is perfect for the Captain America, uh, and and all the other characters in these movies, and in all the Marvel movies except for the Hulk, casting is is impeccable. Casting is terrible in Agents of Shield. Other than Phil Coulson, who was pre-cast, I don't think they got a single character right or a single actor to play those characters right. And casting is impeccable in the Daredevil uh, Netflix series. So it really stands out.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, the casting in... Um, I mean, Robert Downey Jr. is the obvious one. Chris, Chris Evans uh, uh, is really, really good, um, especially for a character that is... Uh, once again, my wife and I were talking about this. How Captain America actually a complex character. Uh, you'd think that he'd be he could just be cheeseball patriotic, but no, he's he's actually really complex. Which even even that Joss Whedon quote sort of tells you. Um,
0: Absolutely. Uh, I think that, and and you have to realize that. They had two new characters they introduced in this movie, and so if either of those char- and both of them have fairly large roles or fairly uh, integral roles in the plot, and if they had gotten those two characters wrong, it would have wrecked this movie uh, to a large extent. And those are uh, the Prince of Wakanda, otherwise known as Black Panther, and of course Peter Parker, Spider-Man. And I think they nailed the casting on both of those perfectly.
2: Oh, totally. We 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 got the best big screen Peter Parker. Which I did not see coming.
1: It didn't. That blew me away. That was the great introduction.
2: Yeah, Tom um, Holland is, is perfect.
1: And you know what? Um, I think they did the smart thing by ha- introducing him in a scene with uh, Tony Stark, because yeah. if you've seen all of his other interactions, Tony Stark, or sorry, Robert Downey Jr. works really well with kids and younger actors. Um, and the way they played off of each other was, uh, it was brilliant.
0: That, that scene was just hilarious, top to bottom. Um, I, I, we can, can we talk spoilers here? I mean, we've got far enough in the show, we only have eight minutes left, so we'll open the floor for spoilers. So from here on out, um, all three of us liked the movie, go see it, um, but we're going to talk about spoilers the scene in Spider-Man's apartment, he's desperately trying to pretend he's not Spider-Man. But Tony Stark knows that he is Spider-Man and is just kind of playing with him. Um,
2: and it's it's
0: brilliant.
2: And it finally explains how a superhero is able to go from like a red and blue sweatsuit to a slick Hollywood-caliber costume, <laughs> right? Because in everywhere from both original Spider-Man series to Deadpool, yeah, they have a nod to that, or at first, okay, in a really cheap costume, but then they don't show how he gets the slick costume. Well, now we have an explanation, which is Stark Industries made it. Okay. Problem solved. Has Tony Stark become Ed in a mode now? Is he the fashion designer to the, the superheroes? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no cape. Okay.
2: Um, looking to you,
0: Vision other great interactions I thought the scenes between Vision and the Scarlet Witch were well done, they were subtly layered throughout the movie Um,
2: oh yeah
1: yeah, that that was really interesting what they did with Vision, because there's a lot of um, there's a lot of Lieutenant Commander data going on, where, where Vision has all these like mixed emotions. I, I I don't even want to call them emotions. We all know that he's artificial, right? But he's got all these mixed emotions uh, regarding the Scarlet Witch, and it just made those scenes really good. Uh, the actor, kn- knocked it out of the park on that.
0: I think.
2: Oh, oh yeah, because you 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 are aware, John, that in the comics she becomes Mrs. the Vision, right? I did not know that. Sorry.
0: They had a they had a whole series called Vision and the Scarlet Witch that would last it for a long time.
2: You see that you know that I don't
1: I don't read comic books, right?
0: Oh, okay, um, and, and Elizabeth Olsen, who plays Scarlet Witch, did a spectacular job through the through the movie. She doesn't. It, the movie revolves around the Stakovia Accords, which is the UN saying, "Hey, these heroes have gone around the globe, you know, basically trashing major cities many, many times—twelve times, I think they show on a map." Um, and we have to kind of rein them in. We can't just allow this to keep on going on. Well, one of the cities they trash was Stachovia, which is her hometown. And every time Stachovia comes up, um, you can see how conflicted she is about that, how it tears at her. And the funny thing is, is she doesn't end up on Iron Man's side. She doesn't end up on the side of, of controlling the superheroes despite what was done to her hometown.
2: Yeah, that's another interesting point, which was I've heard a lot of people remark, and I feel this way too, that the roster breakdown between Team Cap and Team Iron Man, right, that there are characters on each side that you wouldn't expect to have picked those sides before you saw the movie. But watching the movie, the way that the Russo brothers explain characters' motivations, which I give them an, an A plus four. for. I mean, if, if you want to know how to lay out a character's motivation efficiently, watch this movie. But it makes total sense why everyone chose the side that he did. Yeah, I mean, and,
0: and there are some that are obvious that you can completely see why they'd end up like that. Like, Ant-Man isn't an Avenger. He's kind of a lawbreaker anyway. He's a rebel, yeah. and so you can see why. Okay, he would go with Team Cap, because he doesn't want to, uh, if he ever joins the
2: Avengers, he doesn't want to end up being controlled by the UN. You could see that. That totally made sense. Oh, yeah, that's why there's that exchange of the movie where Steve Rogers tells him, now if you join us, you'll be breaking the law, and he's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> what
1: else to do? I, actually, I, I tell you what. After after seeing that, I had not seen Ant Man. Uh, I had so much fun. Uh, Ant-Man played a pretty big role, a huge role in the, the big <laughs> fight scene. Um, <laughs> he, he played a massive role in the in the fight scene the on the airport. Uh, it was it was uh, it was gigantic. Uh, <laughs> that he played, uh, that
2: okay, you uh, win the episode. <laughs> we, we we
1: we went <laughs> we we had to we we went and rented Ant-Man just so that we could go back and watch that uh, which I actually I thoroughly enjoyed. It wasn't great, but it was a good movie and I I really enjoyed it. Paul Paul Rudd is a superhero, guys.
0: Yeah, he I liked Ant Man. I mean, I will admit Ant Man is not as good as Winter Soldier. Ant Man is not as good as Civil War, but it was a good and enjoyable superhero movie. It's it's not a bad superhero movie or a, a superhero movie that has a lot of great aspects, but is because of the script and the story, it turns out to be really leave a bad taste in your mouth, which is Batman vs. Superman did. Can I can We're running out of time here. We've got about three minutes left, so I want to do this very, very quickly. Batman vs. Superman is how to do a hero vs. hero fight badly. You have inconsistent characterization. You have no clear motivations. You have no reason for them to fight. You have no reason for them to stop fighting. Badly. Done badly. Um, Civil War is how you do hero-on-hero combats impeccably, beautifully well. Clear motivations, clear characterization, clear reason to be fighting, clear reason when they stop fighting, clear reason when they start fighting again later on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and on a nitpicky level, uh, in in that in that fight scene, everybody has their own special shtick and their powers, and they just get to recombine them in fun ways to make fun scenes. And they just, hey, let's combine these three characters and have a fun thing happen. Okay, let's you know, it's just it was so much fun.
0: uh, the the fight scene in the airport was just amazing. I mean, I, I will say that fight scene in the airport is kind of the tentpole of the movie because that is the one scene you went to see the movie for. That's the scene that absolutely had to be in the movie because the audience is expecting it and the audience wants it. And you've seen little pieces of it here and there in all the trailers, but you just can't imagine how well they put the whole thing together uh, until you actually watch the movie. That's where the two teams, uh, six members apiece, I think, go head to head in this massive combat in the airport. You just can't imagine how cool it actually is until you watch the scene. That one scene, which I knew was coming and I knew some of the things that were gonna happen into it and I knew who was involved, just turned out to be blow my expectations away with the coolness of the action, the humor, uh, the interactions, just the chase between Spider Man, Falcon, and um, Bucky was would have uh, blown my expectations, but the whole scene was like that.
2: You're here. All right. I
0: yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I, was, I was just going to announce we're out of time. I was going to see if we had any uh, any
2: last minute comments. Well, we do. Okay, listen up, listeners. You asked for it, you demanded it, so we at Geek Gab have gone to bat for you and have, have obtained your your heart's desire. So I'm here to announce that in two weeks, on May the 20th, that, that's Friday, Razor Fist, that's right, the Rage Hulk himself, will be joining us on the Gab. You're welcome. He's, he has
0: agreed to come on our show, so spread the word, Friday, May 20th, you'll be coming on the show.
2: I believe we agreed that's 5.30 Pacific.
0: Yes. Looking forward to it. I don't, I don't have it in my calendar yet, so I don't know if it's 5.30 Pacific.
2: <laughs> well, it, I, it's better because I work until 5 Pacific on that Friday, so.
0: okay. 5.30 <laughs> sounds great to me. I've got plenty of time. Okay, any any last words, uh, John?
1: I'm good. Thanks for chatting. Thanks for listening, everybody.
0: All right, this is Geek Gab, and I want to remind you of some things because uh, now that we are an actual syndicated podcast on SoundCloud, uh, these things have to be now. We have to remind you of them. First off, you can subscribe to a podcast feed of this show. Uh, a couple of hours after the show gets over, it goes live. Um, the feed. URL is in the comments to this show on YouTube or if you want to go to SoundCloud slash geek gab soundcloud.com slash geek gab there will be an option to sign up for the RSS feed you just copy and paste that URL into iTunes uh, and then it will add geek gab to your podcasts and you can uh, download it on any uh, any Apple device Or, and this is the benefit of using SoundCloud, any Android or Windows Phone device, you can use that same URL to subscribe to this podcast and download episodes. The URL, again, is in the show description, or you can go to SoundCloud slash GeekGap. As well, uh, you can follow all of us on Twitter, and our uh, Twitter accounts uh, or Facebook accounts for me are in the description of the show. Brian Nehemiah has a website. It's briannehemiah.com. You can read all of his common blog posts, including one about Captain America, Civil War, and, of course, daddywarpig.com, the house of geekery to see my almost daily dose of geek culture. Thanks for tuning in, folks. This is, or has been, Geek Gab for Sunday, May 8th, 2016, episode 52. We're signing off. For today, but we
2: will be back.